0: Welcome back to the One God Report podcast. Bill Schlegel here. The title of this podcast is Is John chapter 1, verse 1 A Parallel to the Man Moses? In the two previous One God Report podcast episodes, episode number 69, called In the Gospel of John, The Jews Are Judeans, Not All Jews, and episode number 70, called the Greeks in John's Gospel were Greek-speaking Jews, not Gentiles, I gave evidence that the original audience of John's Gospel were Diaspora Greek-speaking Hebrews, that is, not Gentiles. If the original recipients of the Gospel of John were Greek-speaking Israelites, they would have had various levels of familiarity with the Greek translation of the Old Testament Scriptures, called the Septuagint. In this current episode, I will suggest that the author of John's Gospel drew literary and thematic parallels from the Greek Old Testament to convince his Israelite readers that Jesus was the one, quote, of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, unquote, John 145. I will focus on John 1.1, giving evidence that Greek-speaking Israelites, familiar with the Greek translation of the Old Testament, could recognize the first sentence of John's Gospel, quote, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, unquote, as a parallel to Moses. Unfortunately, later Gentile audiences instead of sticking with the Bible, assimilated Neoplatonic philosophy about a divine logos and misunderstood this first verse in John's Gospel to be a reference to a second divine figure involved in the Genesis creation. The Gentiles interpreted John 1 1 ontologically, that is, to be about the nature or the essence or deity But an Israelite would not necessarily interpret John 1-1 ontologically. An Israelite reader familiar with the Greek Old Testament scriptures could connect John 1-1 to Moses. Also in a previous podcast, podcast number 7, we have given reasons to understand that in the beginning of John 1-1 is not a direct reference to the Genesis creation, but rather intentionally echoes Genesis because John is about to describe a new beginning. Later I'll mention how Israel's exodus from Egypt was in fact a beginning as well. But in the podcast today, we will focus on the two statements that the Word was with God and was God. My thesis, not only mine, is that the Word was with God and the Word was God is a comparison to Moses, not a description of a second divine person or of an abstract plan involved in the Genesis creation. This podcast will have two parts. First, we will see that the literary and thematic parallels to, quote, was with God and, quote, was God of John one one are to be found in the Greek version of the Old Testament, not in extra-biblical literature, And these phrases especially refer to the man Moses. And second, we will see that the Gospel of John explicitly compares Jesus to Moses and not to God. John's Gospel presents Jesus as the prophet like unto Moses sent by God, not as literally God himself. So the first section is called John 1.1 is about a human person. Quote, the word was with God and the word was God, is speaking of a human person, not a second divine figure, which the scholars like to call a divine hypostasis, a fancy Greek word to really, I think, just obfuscate, play their game too. It just mixes things up. You say, oh, it's a divine hypostasis. Like there's not really another person. Maybe there's another person. I don't believe that John one is talking about a second divine figure, nor about an abstract idea like wisdom. I'd like to paraphrase Dr. Andrew Perry from episode number 67, called Why the Man Jesus is Called the Word in John 1-1. You can also see Dr. Perry's book called John 1-1-18, A Socinian Approach. Dr. Perry said that if we look for a precedence in Second Temple Period literature or in the Old Testament of someone or something that was, quote, with God and was God, either of a second divine figure, again, the hypostasis, called the Logos, or of an abstract entity like wisdom, we won't find one. You won't find another person or an abstract idea, with God and was God, with the same language. Rather, the precedence for was with God and was God is a particular man, Moses. So, our task is to see how the phrases was with God and was God could be recognizable to Greek-speaking Israelites familiar with the Septuagint, the Greek Old Testament, as pointing to the man Moses. We will first take the phrase in John one 1b, quote, was with God. To whom or to what does the phrase was with God refer to in the Greek Old Testament? It will be helpful to know the phrase was with God in Greek. It's pros tan theon. Pros, like p-r-o-s, then ton, t-o-n, and and then theon is the word for God, t-h-e-o-n, pros-ton-theon. I'll use that a lot. This is the language that John uses when he says the word was with God. The word was pros-ton-theon. So let's see the phrase pros-ton-theon, with God, or toward God, of Moses. Often the phrase prostantheon is translated in the Septuagint as to God, when followed by a transitive verb like speak, say, call out, or pray, as in Abraham said to God. Okay, Abraham said prostantheon, to God. But there are other examples of prostantheon with verbs that have a sense of spatial closeness, like come near, and make supplication that are used most often of one man, Moses. Quite a few times, Moses is said to be in a relationship, prostantheon, to, toward, with God, when Moses makes supplication with God on Pharaoh's behalf. Pharaoh gets into trouble with the plagues, and then he asks Moses to go and make supplication to your God. Here are some examples, Exodus 8:29. Then Moses said, "Behold, I'm going out from you, and I shall make supplication to Yahweh that the swarms of insects may depart from Pharaoh." Now that quote, "supplication to Yahweh," is making supplication pros tan feon, our phrase from John 1:1, 1, 1. and then Moses does it, Exodus 8:30. So Moses went out from Pharaoh and made supplication to Yahweh. Here's Moses. He's prostantheon, making supplication prostantheon. Again, Exodus 10, 17. Pharaoh makes a request to Moses. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and make supplication to Yahweh your God that he would only remove this death from me. That's make supplication to the Lord your God, pros theon. And then Moses does it. Exodus 10 18, and he, Moses, went out from Pharaoh and made supplication to Yahweh. Pros Theon in the Greek. So note three things about these verses. The verb in both Greek and Hebrew, translated as make supplication, has the idea of mediating or interceding. Moses can and does come prostam Theon with toward or to God in order to mediate and make intercession for others. Secondly, maybe you noticed, the Septuagint sometimes changes Yahweh to God, where the Hebrew has make intercession to Yahweh, the Septuagint translates Make intercession to God prostan theon. And third, the point. A reader familiar with the Greek Old Testament would associate making intercessory supplication and the phrase prostan theon to Moses. Moses is presented as a human being who has a mediatorial access, prostantheon, to, toward, or with the God of Israel. Another example, Jethro's advice to Moses. I'll read Exodus 18, 19, and we'll see that Moses has a relationship pros theon. Jethro says, Now listen to me. I shall give you counsel, and God be with you. You be the people's representative before God. That's pros theon. And you bring their cases to God. Pros theon. The Septuagint has prostamtheon twice in this verse. In the first instance, the Septuagint reads, You be for the people the things pertaining to God. Then Jethro says, And you bring their cases to God, prostamtheon. The Hebrew reads, You be for the people in front of God and bring their cases to God. So the Greek switched it a little bit, where the Hebrew has you be for the people in front of God. The Greek takes that as you be for the people, the things pertaining to God. Certainly, Jethro saw the unique relationship of Moses to God on behalf of the people. Moses, described with proston theon, would represent the people in front of God and with the things pertaining to God. Let's note additional occurrences of prostamtheon with verbs that involve Moses coming into close spatial proximity with God. After the first time that Moses went up to God on Mount Sinai and then returned back down to the people and told the people what God had said, here's Exodus 19.8, and all the people answered together and said, all that Yahweh has spoken, we will do. And Moses brought back the words of the people to Yahweh. Now, the Septuagint, it says Moses brought back the words of the people theon. Next, when Moses was again with God on Mount Sinai, we read Exodus 19, 21. And Yahweh said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they come near to Yahweh to gaze, and many of them perish. Now the phrase "lest they come near to Yahweh" is "lest they come pros tam theon." The people were forbidden to come pros tam theon, but Moses could come pros tam theon. Now still on Mount Sinai, Exodus nineteen twenty-four, and Yahweh said to him, "Go down and come up bringing Aaron with you, but do not let the priests." and the people break through to come up to Yahweh, lest he break out against them. The phrase, don't let them break through to come up to Yahweh, is don't let them break through to come pros theon. The people could not be in that relationship with Yahweh that Moses was, and that is described in John 1.1. Now, note especially the next two verses from the book of Exodus. During Israel's acceptance of the Sinai covenant, Aaron and his two sons and 70 elders representing the people were to come part way up the mountain with Moses, but were only to worship from a distance. We read in Exodus 24 too, Moses alone shall come near to Yahweh, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Now, that phrase, Moses alone shall come near to Yahweh, is Moses alone shall come prostam theon. And finally, after the people had made a golden calf, and Moses came down with God's word in tablets of stone and smashed them, we read in Exodus 32:30, 30, the next day Moses said to the people, You have sinned a great sin, and now I will go up to Yahweh. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. The phrase, go up to Yahweh, is go up pros theon in the Septuagint. I believe these examples show that a Greek-speaking Israelite who had some familiarity with the Greek Old Testament could recognize the phrase pros theon and associate it with the man Moses. Moses made mediatorial supplication, prostantheion. Moses represented the people, prostantheion. Moses only came consistently into the unique spatial proximity, prostantheon. For a Greek Old Testament reader, the coming into or being in the position, prostantheion, described neither a second divine figure nor an abstract attribute like wisdom. It was the human being, the man Moses, who was prostanthēon There is some corroborating New Testament evidence that is fitting to mention at this juncture, where we find the phrase prostanthēon used specifically to designate a human person, the man Christ Jesus. Jesus the Messiah, like Moses, but even to a far greater extent, has a mediatorial role and spatial relation pros tan theon, with or toward God. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, quote, Therefore he had to be made like his brethren in all things, that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. This is the same phrase, prostantheon. Hebrews 5 1. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men in the things pertaining to God, in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. So the author of Hebrews describes Jesus serving as other people's mediator in, quote, the things pertaining to God, theon. This is the same role that Moses performed as described in Exodus 4.16 and 18.19. The next section is called the word was God of Moses. Fine enough, you might say, the phrase theon was with God, might be recognizable to a Greek-speaking Israelite as an allusion to Moses, as one who had a unique spatial relation and mediatorial role between God and Israel. But what about the phrase, the word was God? Does the Old Testament ever say that Moses was God? When God called Moses at the burning bush and Moses expressed reluctance to God sending him because of Moses' inability to speak well, God told Moses that Aaron would be Moses' spokesman. And then God said that Moses would be God to Aaron. Exodus 4.16, quote, He, that's Aaron, shall speak for you to the people, and he shall be a mouth for you, and you shall be to him as God. Unquote. Now, most English translations put in the word as in translating God's declaration, you shall be as God to him. But the Hebrew of this verse does not have the word as in it. The more literal translation is, you will be God to him. Interestingly, the Septuagint adds a definite article, which tends to soften the direct reference to Moses being God. The Septuagint Translates this as, you shall be to him the things pertaining to God. This exact same phrase that we saw used of Jesus in the New Testament, describing Jesus' mediatorial role as high priest. Exodus 4.16 is also of interest because it has the same to be verb, but in a future tense that John 1.1 has. John 1.1 says, and the word was God. Exodus 4.16 says, you will be God. And then Exodus 7.1, quote, So Yahweh said to Moses, see, I have made you like God to Pharaoh, and your brother Aaron will be your prophet. Again, English translations insert the word like. I have made you like God to Pharaoh. But the word like is not in either the Hebrew or the Greek Old Testament. The literal translation is, I have made you God to Pharaoh. So here we have a clear reference to Moses as God. Now, we all know that the Bible is not saying that Moses was God in an ontological, physiological, or in an essence, or in a nature sense. Moses isn't God in his nature. And we can be certain that the Bible is not claiming that Moses is God in an ontological sense for various reasons, including we take the statement in context. We read the rest of the Bible. Moses was a baby. Somebody tried to kill him when he was a baby. He grew up. He shepherded sheep. He died. He's not the one God of Israel ontologically in essence and secondly the god of israel made moses god actually the verb is not really made you god but it's more literally gave or granted god said i have granted you to be god to pharaoh the god of the bible is not made he's not granted or allowed to be god by anyone but god gave or granted or made Moses God in that the man Moses represented God in function, power, authority, and probably character to both Aaron and Pharaoh. Moses had a godlike role in that Moses gave words to Aaron as God gave words to Moses. It was God at work in and through the words and deeds of Moses. Moses functioned as God to Pharaoh because the plagues that Moses brought upon Pharaoh were brought by God. This is the same with the man Jesus. It was God at work in and through the words and deeds of the man Jesus. The Gospel of John is not declaring Jesus to literally or ontologically be God in nature. Just like the book of Exodus wasn't declaring Moses to literally or ontologically be God in nature. In John's Gospel, Jesus is distinguished from God. God sent Jesus. Jesus was born. Jesus died. Jesus represented God and spoke the words that God gave him. In John's Gospel, Jesus is, quote, a man who told you the truth which I heard from God, unquote. To summarize so far, the phrases with God and was God of John 1.1 have parallels to the man Moses in the Greek Old Testament we need to try to shed ourselves of ontological interpretations of John 1.1 that contradict the rest of Scripture. We see that the parallels for the phrase, the Word was with God and was God, are much closer at hand than most Gentile Christians have seemed to realize. The parallels are not in extra-biblical literature, but in the Septuagint passages, like Exodus four sixteen, seven one, twenty four two and thirty two thirty. A Greek speaking Jew familiar with the Septuagint could read John 1, one and think it's the prophet like unto Moses. A Greek speaking Jew, familiar with the Septuagint, would not read John 1, one and think, Oh a second divine hypostasis. Neither would he think oh Personified wisdom. Personified wisdom interpretation, as far as I can tell, is an interpretation of John 1.1 that had its origin in the Enlightenment period. Now, before we move on to see how Jesus is compared to Moses in the remainder of John's gospel, it's worthwhile to note that the first part of John 1.1, in the beginning was the word, also has parallels to Moses. So this little parenthesis is called beginning and word or beginning and Torah. While I see the phrase in the beginning of John 1.1 in the main as an intentional echo of Genesis 1.1, because in Jesus and his ministry, God has set into motion a new beginning. There's also a parallel of word, logos, with Moses and the Exodus from Egypt, which was a new beginning. Israel's beginning and covenant came through the word of God. It is significant that the word word, devar in Hebrew and logos in Greek, is not found in the creation account in Genesis. Rather, devar or logos, word, relates in the Old Testament more often to God's revelatory promise to the patriarchs and the fulfillment of that promise in the formation of the people of Israel. God gave his word, a promise, to the fathers. Then God gave his word uniquely through Moses at Mount Sinai, and Israel was formed. Modern commentaries on the Gospel of John almost invariably describe what logos, word, was to a Greek-thinking mind. They'll go off and talk about plan and design and how the Greeks had logos. But logos, word, to the Hebrew mind would mean Torah, the body of revelation and teaching that God gave to Israel through Moses, the beginning of Israel as a people came through God's Word, through God's Torah. Even today, religious Jews know that what is most essential in the creation and maintenance of Israel as a people is God's Word, the Torah. We miss this as Gentiles because Torah has been translated usually as law. A better word for it is revelatory teaching. In the beginning, through the Word, that is, through the Torah given during the Exodus and Sinai experience, Israel experienced a new beginning. Israel became a nation, God's firstborn son, God's people. That is why God said, this month is to be your beginning of months. For you, it is the beginning month of the year, Exodus 12.2. With Moses and Israel's national beginning, God's word, God's Torah, came etched on tablets of stone. But with the new beginning in Jesus, God's word was flesh, a human being. The Bible is called the word of God because it contains the words of God. Jesus was the word of God because he had and spoke the words of God in a way which no other human had. Once one understands that the beginning of the nation of Israel came to be through the word of God, the Torah, one may see that the first verse of John's gospel brings together parallels and types from both the book of Genesis and the book of Exodus in one verse. All of this is evidence that John 1.1 is describing the counterpart to Moses, the man Jesus. So now let's come back to John's Gospel. This section will be called, Throughout John's Gospel, Jesus is explicitly compared to Moses, not to God. Jesus is the second Moses, not the second God. That John 1.1 is alluding to Moses is supported by the fact that the author of the Gospel early and often, makes the direct comparison between Moses and Jesus. The Moses to Jesus comparison is based on the words of Yahweh, which he communicated through Moses, as recorded in Deuteronomy 18, verses 15 to 19. Quote, Yahweh your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen just as you desired of Yahweh your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let me not hear again the voice of Yahweh my God, or see this great fire any more, lest I die. And Yahweh said to me, They are right in what they have spoken. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words, that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him, unquote. Now, in his first chapter, the author of the Gospel of John hastens to declare through the testimony of Andrew that, quote, we have found him of whom Moses wrote, unquote. Moses never wrote about a second divine hypostasis whom Yahweh would send. Rather, Moses wrote about the prophet like himself from among Israel's brethren that Yahweh would send. Just like when Israel requested that a mediator speak the words of God to them at Sinai and God said the request was appropriate, that's Exodus twenty nineteen to 20, which Moses referred to in the Deuteronomy passage. And Moses was that mediator who spoke God's words. Even so, God put his words into the mouth of the mediator Jesus. The Gospel of John can say, the word was God, because when Jesus spoke it, God was speaking. When Jesus performed a miracle, it was God acting. Moses and Jesus were God's agents, through whom God spoke and operated. But Jesus was God operating and speaking to such a degree that Jesus himself was called the Word of God. The statement, and the Word was God, is not an ontological statement about Jesus being deity in nature or essence but it is a statement about agency. That is, Jesus represented God. God was at work in and through Jesus. The Christology, who Jesus is in the Gospel of John, is not incarnation, that God became man in nature. Rather, it's about agency, that the man Christ Jesus was sent by God represents God, speaks the words of God, and by God's empowering does the works of God. Moses did not perform God's miracles through only the spoken word. One time God told Moses to only speak, but Moses failed. Jesus was God's word to such an extent that when Jesus merely spoke, the lame were healed and the dead were raised. So let's see how Jesus is compared to Moses in John's Gospel, not to God, nor to an abstract idea in God's mind. Moses is mentioned explicitly 13 times in John's Gospel. The first time is in John's prologue. John chapter 1, verse 17. For the Torah was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Moses and Jesus were both mediators, through whom something came. The source of the Torah was God. It came through Moses. The source of grace and truth was God. They came through Jesus Christ. Interestingly, grace and truth are central elements in the revelation of Yahweh to Moses to confirm that even after the sin of the golden calf, Yahweh renewed his covenant with Israel and would still be with Israel. Exodus 34.6 Then, back to John. Still in chapter 1, verse 45, quote, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the Torah and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Unquote. It is simply preposterous to suggest that Moses wrote about God literally taking on human nature or one person of a tri-personal God taking on human nature. The Apostle's Confession flies in the face of traditional Christianity's interpretation of John chapter 1. What Moses did write about was God sending a prophet like Moses himself. The prophets did not write about God taking on human form. What the prophets did write about was Yahweh God sending the Davidic Messiah. See John 1:41. Coming back to the Gospel of John's presentation of Jesus being a prophet like Moses, John chapter 5, verse 46. Jesus said, "If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me." Unquote. Again, did Moses write about a God that would take on human flesh or a God-man whom a different God-person of God would send? No. He wrote about the prophet like unto himself from among the Israelites whom God would send. That prophet would speak all that God commanded him. The miraculous signs that the Gospel of John records are full of Moses-to-Jesus parallelism or typology. Perhaps the best example of parallel miracle signs is the feeding of the 5,000 because it reminded the people of God's miraculous provision of manna when Moses led Israel for 40 years. Note the people's reaction to Jesus' feeding of the 5,000. John chapter 6, verse 14, quote, When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus' miracle connected him to the promised prophet like unto Moses. After the miracle, Jesus, like Moses, made clear, as he did on many other occasions, that he was not the source of the miracle, Jesus was the channel. God was the source. The Father was acting behind the scenes because he can't be seen by humans. Here's what Jesus said in John 6, 32. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Unquote. Like Moses, Jesus was the channel through whom and by which the miracle was done. John records for us the reaction of the people to Jesus' teaching in Jerusalem at the Festival of Tabernacles, John chapter 7, verse 40 to 41, Quote, When they heard these words, some of the people said, This is really the prophet. Others said, This is the Christ, Unquote. Moses emphasized the coming one to be a prophet like unto himself, but, did not describe the coming one as Messiah. The prophets described the coming one as the Messiah, the anointed king descended from David. And then the final example, John shows the Moses to Jesus comparison, even through the words of the ones condemning the blind man to whom Jesus gave sight. John chapter 9, verse 28 to 29, quote, And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. And one other point called Other New Testament Comparisons of Jesus to Moses. The podcast is already long, but it is worthwhile to mention that other New Testament literature confirms the Moses to Jesus parallel that the Gospel of John presents. John presents the same Christ as the rest of the New Testament, not a different Christ. It should go without saying that if, as other New Testament literature, the Gospel of John compares Jesus to Moses, this Gospel is not declaring that Jesus is literally God. In the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, Jesus is presented as the prophet like unto Moses who goes up onto a mountain and interprets Torah. In the book of Acts, the apostle Peter and the disciple Stephen directly connect Jesus to the statement of Moses that, quote, "God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your brothers." Acts 3:22 to 23 and chapter 7:35 to 37. Likewise, the author of the book of Hebrews directly connects Jesus to Moses. Once one starts to notice, the parallels between Moses and Jesus seem to be everywhere. As babies, both Moses and Jesus were threatened with murder by the ruling political authorities. Through Moses, the Passover was initiated. Jesus told his disciples to remember his covenant securing death in connection to Passover. As Moses was ready to die for the forgiveness of his people, Exodus chapter thirty-two, thirty-two. Jesus was not only ready, but did die, that the whole nation not perish, John eleven fifty. 50. So, to sum up and to give a bit of a challenge. First, the literary and thematic parallels to the phrases, was with God and was God of John 1, 1, are to be found in the Greek version of the Old Testament, not in extra-biblical literature. And these phrases particularly refer to the man Moses. Greek-speaking Israelites, familiar with the Old Testament, could recognize that Moses was with God, and even was God in a representative sense, and understand that the author was introducing the coming of the, quote, prophet-like unto Moses, about whom Moses wrote, On the other hand, Gentiles of the second century and later up to this day misunderstood John's opening statement and instead claimed John was introducing a second God figure who was related to God in an ontological way, in nature or essence. These interpreters either ignored or missed the Moses typology and instead assimilated Greek philosophical speculations onto John's writing. Likewise, the Greek mind failed to recognize the Hebrew parallel of Logos to Torah and, in the beginning, to Israel's beginning at Sinai. To put it another way, John one one is introducing a prophet like unto Moses, not a second God figure, and not an abstract plan. Secondly, references in the Gospel of John that directly compare Jesus to Moses are evidence that John's opening statement is doing the same thing, just as other New Testament comparisons of Jesus to Moses. John's Gospel is not presenting a different Christ than the rest of the New Testament. And third, a challenge. If the thesis is wrong, that is, the thesis that John 1:1 1, 1 is an allusion to Moses, who both quote, "was with God," Prostontheon and quote "was God, allow me to present a twofold challenge: First, explain why "was with God," Prostontheon and "was God" are not applicable to Moses. And second, give evidence from the Bible and other Second Temple Period Jewish literature where either a second God figure, a hypostasis, or a divine attribute like wisdom is presented as being both theon and was God. Yishma'u anavim v'yismachu, the humble will hear and rejoice.